This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I'm here with another amazing Thursday episode where we're going to be talking to Andy Hammond of the Broadway Boys podcast repping the New York Rangers, our division rival for the Washington Capitals on the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, he is an OG of the Hockey Podcast Network, been here since day one um, with all of us here along with me. And, and it's just always good to catch up uh, with Andy here. So as you know, if you're if you're an OG of the podcast, we'll be doing Thursdays. Usually I'm pontificating on something and you're just, you know, uh, at my mercy there. Uh, but I've been lucky enough to be able to be booking in a lot of these interviews with some really smart uh, hockey guys who are really fans in themselves and and follow the team exclusively and and do podcasts about it. So I'm really excited to get to move forward with this. Let's uh, pop some tabs and get get it going. One, two, three. All right. Adding to the stream now, Andy Hammond, Broadway Boys Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. How you doing, man? Troll, what's going on, man? Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so good to see you again. It's been a long time. Uh, we usually do this at least once a year, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, some if we're feeling uh, a little bit frostier multiple times. But yeah, it's been uh, too long. I'm happy to be back. And uh, yeah, quarter pole of another NHL uh, season uh, in the Metropolitan Division. So happy to be here. Absolutely. Right, right. And I mean, like, so here's the crazy thing is that I'll be honest. I was just gassing the New York Rangers up so hard. I mean, you know, if we look back four or five years, I mean, you know, as a fan, you've got to be just stroking it to how well the rebuild has gone. It's been almost an immediate turnaround. You know, you, you didn't hold any punches. You got rid of Lundquist uh, and shipped him, you know, well, let him run. And, you know, he came to DC and then had, uh, you know, that crazy heart thing that, that, you know, forced him to retire, which is just wild that he didn't find that, you know, and didn't have anything crazy happen to him on the ice. And now you're you're back uh, hunting for like, you know, a top three division playoff spot. So, I mean, how's how are things looking on your end, I guess? Uh, this season, not maybe not as <laughs> to the to the to the untrained eye. It seems at first maybe not as. Uh, positively, as maybe a lot of New York Rangers fans would have hoped. Uh, there is a lot to be positive about, but at the same time, I think one of the bigger concerns, especially coming off of a, a year where they went, they were one of the four final teams remaining in the NHL, uh, making it to the Eastern Conference Final, um, only right. to lose to, you know, the Tampa, the reigning at the time Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, yeah, I just, it felt like it would be onward and upward. And then their first game of the season at home, they absolutely smoke Tampa in dominant fashion. And you're like, all right, this is it. They've <laughs> taken all their lessons from last year and they're going to hit on the gas pedal. And for about three games, they were, they looked like they were playing like some of the best hockey in the national hockey league. And then it slowly just kind of started sputtering out and they've had a, you know, their, their woes of scoring five on five, despite generating, for the first time since I can remember being a pretty solid team in terms of generating shots 
and, uh, you know, uh, winning the possession battle and the expected goals battle, which is something this team has never done. The, the knock on the Rangers for years has been they literally hold on for dear life. They let one of their goaltenders, whether it was Henrik Lundqvist for a decade or now Igor Shesterkin, hold down the fort and then just uh, score timely goals on rush chances. Uh, and they're right. trying to do things differently this season. And now they're doing all the things that fans wanted them to do where they were getting dinged for last year. Well, this, that team's not for real. And now, but they're not getting, they weren't until recently getting the best out of Igor Shesterkin. And also they're just, they weren't being able to put the puck in the net, you know, despite putting up 40 plus shots a game. So it's funny how hockey works sometimes. It's like, be careful what you wish for. You might just might get it and just not, you know, <laughs> total monkey's paw and that it, it, you, you get what you think you want, but it's just not what you, you know, doesn't play out how you thought. So, uh, yeah, obviously there's a, it seems like there's a bit of concern amongst Ranger fans so far for why they just, it hasn't been as seamless. And there's a lot of theories that a lot of people have, you know, I have my own theories and, but, uh, yeah, maybe not the, uh, the Sterling start, uh, you would have hoped for as a Rangers fan. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, but here's the thing we're what, uh, a quarter, like you said, quarter ish into the season, you are in the last wild card spot with 22 points. Um, you know, crazy enough, the devils are head manning it up with 30 in the match. Um, and they show no signs of slowing down on riding a 10 game winning streak. Fucking wild. Um, but, you know, you've still got Carolina and the Islanders within striking distance. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you literally have the Islanders the same in points. And then Carolina is one point ahead of you. So there's still spots open. No, right? yeah, definitely. It's not, you know, luckily it's that point of the season where outside of the very, uh, at least elite teams and then for the for the year and then the teams that are just truly bottom feeders, it's still that point in the season where, when you win a game, you're in second in your division and you lose. And then you're literally outside, outside of the wild card. You know, that's where it's at right now. Right. So, and the Rangers much to their credit. And I will say this is probably despite not having their goaltending uh, until recently being up to, up to par with what it needed to be. And just also just horrible PDO and, and shooting percentage in the toilet. They've been able to at least make it to overtime a lot. Uh, so they're, you know, it's very, it's, they've only, I think they've only lost in regulation, maybe three times. Twice. I haven't even looked at their record here, but I believe that's right. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, they go losses are, are, are low. And I mean, you know, the caps have done that as well. Yeah. So you're, so you're, well, okay. So you're nine, six and four. Yeah. But you know, three games in Rego above the outright loss and then four overtime uh, losses grabbing that loser point. And then, you know, in the wild card again, Detroit is sitting there at nine, five and four with 22 points. So they've got a game in hand, same points. Um, and, you know, I, it's funny cause I, was, I just had grumpy old man and TJ on last week. Uh, and a couple other OGs got the Islanders on before. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I don't, that was no, no, no shine there, but, no. <laughs> but yeah, dude, like, um, you know, you, you look at that and grumpy was like, and so as cantankerous, if you will, as a grumpy old man is, he does have a lot of hockey knowledge primarily because he's so old. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll just, we'll just give the age factor in there. So I, I'm bordering on calling him wise, but we all know that that would be just, if he heard that he would never let me live that down. Yeah. So, <laughs> but 
he was like, dude, if Detroit continues to play, that's a problem for all of us. Like the, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Caps, the Penguins. If Detroit can sneak out a wild card spot, this is a problem. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, Detroit has been very inconsistent this year. They, they beat the Rangers uh, in uh, in the shootout. Or the shootout or overtime? I forget. Um, I think they beat the Rangers in the shootout at the Garden. And then the Rangers yeah. came back to, to beat them. And they've been very inconsistent. I don't think they've turned. You have teams. You had all these teams that were pegged to turn the corner. Eventually, Buffalo, uh, the Devils, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, and Detroit. And I feel like Buffalo seems to really have turned the corner. I think they're overall there's, you know, they, they'll still have their problems, but they're a better team. Detroit, Anaheim is still clearly one of the worst teams in the league. They're just the way they're currently constructed. Uh, mm-hmm. New Jersey came out the other side and, you know, they're <laughs> one of the best teams in the NHL right now. And then sure. I think Detroit is that one team where they still, they, they're, their young players are starting to come to their own, but they still have their warts. I mean, Mert Siders, after winning the call there last year, has had a difficult start to this season, although they, they saddled him with Ben Sherratt. So, I mean, there's no – shouldn't be any uh, surprise there why he's having – he's struggling. But uh, they're still a dangerous team when they're all – and they've had some injury problems. You know what I mean? I, I think so. But when everyone's in the lineup and, you know, despite not scoring, I believe, a goal in his first few games, I think Lucas Raymond's been shooting the lights out for them recently. And – you know, they still have some good some good pieces. I mean, you know, they got Andrew Kopp opting not to resign with the Rangers and decides to sign his hometown and goes back to Detroit, you know. And although maybe he hasn't produced the way they want him to, he's still a very good, you know, uh, defensive and possession player and good on faceoffs and all that. So they have good pieces there. I just think they're a little inconsistent. But uh, there's a lot of inconsistency within the Metro and the Atlantic. So that's who's to say they Detroit can't... Uh, you know, take a, a spot in the wild card. You know what I mean? So, so Absolutely. yeah, I think it's a sage like point from the, from uh, uh GOM. So <laughs> the gom, the gom. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, man. So, I mean, totally like, and, and uh, again, I had thought that it would have been like, you know, uh, so I had thought that basically it would be the reversal at this point and, and probably to the end of the season, I thought it would have been a, more of a reversal of the top team, which is the Devils and the Rangers. I thought that the, the, the Devils had upset. Uh, t- you can't sleep on them. And they had a ton of upset capability uh, to, you know, knock teams out of a wild card spot. But I had no idea that they would be this good. But I did. You know, I was I harped on it. I said, you know, you cannot sleep on the Devils. They look they're young. They're they're good. You know, they're they've. They've definitely, you know, while, while nobody wants to admit it, uh, especially in like, you know, the mass media of, of whatever, uh, you know, hockey media is at this state in the game. But like, you know, they, nobody wanted to accept that Vitek Vanacek was actually a solid number one. Um, and, you know, with a stout defensive team with some good structure and some guys with speed, I mean, he can he can keep you in games. And I think that's really all that the Devils wanted and needed to take that next step forward. So. You know, he obviously didn't work out for the Caps because we hemorrhage shot attempts. But at the same time, <clears throat> it, I'm glad he found a home there. And and yeah, I, I thought that that you know the Devils were were going to be serious. Did you, you know, you're close to the situation? What yeah. did you think? No, I definitely thought that the Devils uh, were. 
I honestly, I, I believe in my preseason prediction, I did have the Devils as a playoff team, but I, I, I'm, I had them either in third place or in the wild card. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and you know what? I think it, it makes sense. You know what? They they took the the pet, the most painful path, which a lot of teams don't want to take. They drafted young players and young stars and let them gave them. They force fed them ice time. Yeah. Even when it wasn't going so well, even when Jack Hughes, everyone's like, what's wrong with, you know, you, you heard about Capo Caco, who was maybe only getting third line minutes for the Rangers. But Jack Hughes is getting close to first, second, first, you know, top six minutes since he got there. What's wrong with Jack Hughes? Oh, he's too small. He's a too hurt, whatever. But they just kept force feeding him minutes. They did the same thing with Nico Heischer. And then it became, yeah. well, then it was like, well, Jack Hughes, maybe not producing, but his underlying numbers are really good. Or Nico Heischer low key has some of the best defensive numbers in the AHL, but he's just, a, you know, not a big producer, but lo and behold, they did that. And they, when they went after big fish, when they would, they, they went after Dougie, they had, they made some really underrated good pickups. They clearly have work closely uh, with their analytics department there. They're like, you know, yep. they get rid of Ty Smith, who is struggling and absolute steal for Marino from Pittsburgh, who is, you know, an excellent defender. So now you have Dougie, you have Marino. Uh, you know, they go after Jonas Siegenthaler, who is also another guy who's just always been sneaky underrated. And they've just had other good pickups along the way. They, they're like, you know what? They get uh, Tomas Tatar, who's like one of those guys where he can put the puck. He's gifted offensively. He might have his warts, you know, but if you put him on a team where everyone else is pulling the rope and. Yeah, they just, again, they just, they, and I think the biggest thing is that last year, the numbers show that they were, what, last in the league in save percentage from their goaltenders. They just weren't getting the goaltending, but uh, offensively, the stats were good. The problem was they were giving up too many rush chances against, but they, they figured it out without, without having to change the coach and without having to, um, change their system up. They just, they figured, you know, they brought in some better defensive defensemen or at least defensemen who can. And I think the whole team, you know, just their young players are, are playing better defense as a whole. Like they have good pieces in Dawson Mercer and guys that will eventually step up uh, as they get older. But for right now, they're good building block NHL players. And I just think, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, th- after the first three games, it seemed like it was going to be a repeat of last year. And Devils fans were ready to they were chanting fire Lindy. And now they, they're chanting sorry, you know, <laughs> You know, which is funny. It's just, but yeah, they were definitely, and I think it's, it's your point about Vanacek, who I think is a good goaltender. I think the, the more salient point is whether it's Blackwood who has struggled at times and, or Vitek Vanacek is they haven't had to be that good because they don't give up a lot because they're such, they're probably the fastest team in the national hockey league. And the faster they play, the more teams in front of them handle the puck. Like it's a grenade on their stick and they don't make their passes and they can't break the puck out. And, you know, that's speed kills. And it's always been that way in the National Hockey League. And, you know, it's that's why it's like it's very tough to be, I think, now to play. You know, I would say, you know, I mean, I, I guess it depends on any team. I'd, I'd say the last the, the Blues won playing a heavy style of play. But even the year uh, the Caps won the Stanley Cup, I thought they were playing with a good amount of pace usually. And I think it was just knowing what their strength was, whether that's using Kuznetsov and his effortless skating ability to transport the puck up the ice, or even a guy who's maybe not so fast like Carlson, just, you know, making sure the puck, you know, moving the puck quickly and just finding guys in transition. It just, sometimes it just clicks like that. And that's clearly what's going on for the devils now. And the more they win, the more confidence they get, especially they have 
you know, uh, three years worth of people telling them how dog shit they are. They have a lot to prove. You know what I mean? Whereas right. you look at look at all these teams who people had pegged to to once again be dominant this year who are struggling out of the gate, you know, because it's hard to it's hard to you can say you want it, but it's hard to manufacture the feeling that I felt like the Rangers had last year and that, well, everyone said we were soft and like, Oh, look at the Rangers trying to get tougher and like, you know, yada, yada, yada. And they had something to prove. And they, even though they were maybe on paper, weren't the best team, they were finding out ways to win. Be just based. I think just solely hanging on despite their goaltender performance, which was a huge part of it, but they figured it out almost based on spite of you. But once you've been there, and the expectations to do it again, it's a whole different mental animal. And I think you're seeing that in, in Pittsburgh. I think you're seeing that in the Caps in a sense. You're, the St. Louis Blues have been fairly inconsistent, although I think they've finally started to level off, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's weird. A lot of teams that people picked to come out of the gate as the, the juggernauts struggled out of the gate. Toronto struggled. And in fairness, if you look at a lot of teams like Toronto and the Rangers, uh, some of those, a lot of those teams, you know, their shooting percentage was down. And some of those teams that were unlucky last year, like the devils are, uh, yeah, they're actually, they're finally getting the luck on their side. So just, you know, Absolutely. interesting to see how it shakes out. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. And I mean, um, you know, there was a lot there that we just, we just kind of covered, but yes, we went, you just did the whole league preview, dude, for sure. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, that's, why, uh, that's why we have you on motor you know, mouth. So, sorry. You no. Know. Because I'm doing it solo, and I say this every time now. I think that uh, the listeners are going to get bored of me saying it, and just another another tr- another hockey troll trope. But um, when I do it alone, I can't even drink because, like, I'm just blabbing the whole time. You know, I've got to I've got to fill the fill the space with with uh, stuff, and I, yeah. I, you know, you know us, you know, or well, you know me at least. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got to be plied with alcohol a little bit just to, you know, come out here. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, all, I, listen. Anytime you want to warm warm your liver up, I can just let me just talk, and I'm sure it'll get plenty plenty warmed up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, um, going going back though. So let's 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 bring this back around full circle to the to the Rangers. Um, and and I would love to hear kind of your thoughts because I know that you are way more in tune with prospects and things of that nature. You know, you you look at across the league, not only with the Rangers, but who's coming up and who's going to be an actual a player. Um, and, and I want to get this in before the commercial break, if you sure. will, because there has been so much uh, hankering for Connor McMichael to get those force fed minutes on the Washington Capitals. I mean, you know, you've had your young guys, like you said, Capo Caco, you know, these previous first round, even first overall picks um, who in the beginning, you know, the first, two to three years even were, you know, you could say they were a bust or you couldn't, you know, I mean, you could go either way on them, but now how things have shaped up, it looks like the one, the pieces that you did keep were good. Now, Connor McMichael, who was a highly touted prospect, um, you know, played for the London Knights, I believe. Great, you know, Dale Hunter, Hunter family mafia up in London for sure. And Ontario right there, Uh, you know, he just got sent back down to Hershey. I mean, he wasn't getting the time last year. He came in, played 60 something games, scored 18 points, getting shit minutes came in, was like, I'm going to get bigger, came in, showed up to camp, 20 pounds, heavier, fully muscled out, then came into camp this year and really kind of, I would, I would say at best didn't show a market improvement 
improvement from last year in camp. And you know what? Sophomore slump. The kid's 21 years old. Let's give him a break, right? But, you know, what's your thoughts on, like, when do these – how much leash do we got to give these guys? And how much ice time do we have to force feed these guys to be NHL talent? It's tough. And I think there's things that go into all these decisions. I mean, sure. there – I think I think if you're a player – that is an elite skater, at least you have elite skating ability, just that. I think it's easier to hang around in a league. I mean, right, they always say the, the, the power forwards or the more methodical players take longer to develop or the playmakers, whatever, right? Right. Uh, as long as if you're an elite skater, even if you come into the league undersized and you can break away from, get your, build your, give yourself time and space with your feet, then you yeah. probably have a little bit easier path than other players. And I would say that Connor McMichael, just so all the Caps fans know, is not what you would consider a typical elite skater. Yeah, and I, I, I would look, I would say Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere are in the exact same boat. They are, they get time and space for themselves, not with their feet, with but with their stick handling ability, or at least attempt to with their stick handling ability. I would say Lafreniere is a, as it stands today, both him. I would say they're average, both average to slightly below average. Although I feel like Capo Caco has finally figured out how to has had enough strength now that he can actually not get knocked off pucks and hold on to it. But so I think those players have a little bit tougher of a road. And it, like I said before, it's easy for teams like the ducks who don't have much else going on to say Trevor Zegras, and luckily Zegers was just ready out of the bat or, and you know, but still had his, has his defensive warts in his head, but yeah, you know, and, or Jack Hughes, it just, it's not, it's not like there was any one blocking Jack Hughes to get put on power play one. Whereas Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere for the Rangers, just as a, a comparison coming in, it's like, well, you know, the New York Rangers had the, a top five power play in the league last year. And you have Artemi Panarin, you know, Adam Fox, Chris Kreider in front of the goal who, you know, net front who scored whatever, you know, 50 plus goals. Uh, Mika Zibanejad with that one timer on the other side. And then one other player in a bumper position. It's like, they both weren't going to get it. And they had Strom there at the time because it was working before they came in. So why mess with it? So, I mean, there are sometimes especially teams that are look are in their contention window. It's harder. It's much harder to find ice time for them. It's hard. You want to force feed them minutes, but then it's, you know, their coach has to deal with, well, how am I going to tell someone who's been a, a staple of the top six that they can't, you know, they're not getting, they're getting taken off the power play, you know, or even right. if they get put on a power play too. I mean, there's a lot of hand wringing right now about why Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco like, oh, it's they're still not producing. Well, it's like, yeah, but they don't they don't get any they get no power play time. And you look, it's like, oh, well, you know, Mika Zibanejad has 21 points. It's like, yeah, well, but uh, he's got uh, let's see. He's got seven goals and five assists on the power play. So, sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then at the end of the yeah. day, it's, you know, he's got uh, 12 points to Alexi Lafreniere, who I how many has what? zero like no power play points but he's got seven points but it's not you know it's not he's not really it's not crazy outpacing him or whatever or capo caco i think where he's even uh you know who also has seven points or whatever so just i'm just saying relatively it's like it's just tough i mean a lot of it is ice time and and like you said being force fed and uh they have to have time that jack hughes and nico Heischer and trevor zegris and you know uh tage thompson or whoever else was force fed minutes 
in a, an entire season, seasons even, maybe two seasons, you know, of, of shit under, you know, underperforming hockey relative to expectation. They got to right. literally just figure it out for themselves, you know, playing. Which 20- is a luxury that, well, a lot of teams don't have a luxury for the fans, but the, the caps don't have this. Right. I mean, I, I've said it before, like being a projected top six player in the NHL coming into the Washington cap being drafted by the Washington capitals. While yes, like you're as from a player standpoint, like, Holy fuck, you're going to play with, you know, legends of the game, future hall of famers, you know, guys who've won a cup, uh, probably the greatest of all time in goal scoring Alexander Ovechkin. But you have to realize the top six is fucking gone. Like you are not going to crack that. And the one thing that I kind of, you know, I think is probably a, a, a double double edged sword for, for McMichael is that he does show considerable defensive prowess as he's his, he is a quote unquote natural center, if you will. Right. Um, you know, he shut down some plays uh, last game that he was in against the Colorado Avalanche, which we got absolutely fucking blown out for nothing, which is on Saturday. You know, he, he broke up a couple of plays by, by back checking and doing the, the hardworking stuff. Um and who knows what, you know, it, I don't know if it's Snively. I don't know if it's like another guy that they're going to just put in that rotating cycle. But, you know, obviously it's not going to be Connor McMichael because he was on a two-way contract. He's back down in Hershey's, hopefully going to light it up, get some confidence boosts down there. But, you know, I think a lot of Caps Nation is saying, you know, and I'll just say this. I think that they're already throwing in the towel on this fucking season, which is a fucking joke. I mean, anybody who's watched hockey for more than a few years can understand that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And yeah, we're like four or five points out of a out of a division spot, but the the metro is still very much tight. Uh, you know, with us battling against the Penguins and the Rangers, and and I mean, it's literally like a five way battle yeah. for that last uh, wild card spot for the metro. You know, you look at a guy like Connor McMichael and right now what we're forced to do or what management is forced to do in the here and now is TJ Oshie and Dmitry Orlov may be back in the lineup. I would jettison Connor McMichael to the depths of the USHL for either one of those players. I mean, let's be honest here, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I would say, you know, it's, it's tough because especially if you have in your mind's eye where you want a player to eventually end up in their prime. Right. But that that's not where they're going to be put to start their career or to make a name for themselves. But then it's like (laughs) being upset with much like being upset with Alexi Lafreniere. It's like, well, I put you on a line with, you know, uh, it's like, we put you uh, last season, whatever they put them with uh, whoever, like Barkley Goudreau, and Sammy yeah. Blay or something. Why aren't you? Why aren't you producing? It's like or it's like putting if you put McMichael with I don't know like Garnet Hathaway and Which I don't is know what whoever the fuck are nicked out. It's like well, why aren't you scoring? It's like well, right. I mean those two don't really score. You know what I mean? It's just but you know kind and of you know well, I will say this though yeah and I well I will say this so. Nick Dowd and Garner Hathaway both outscored McMichael last season. Yeah. McMichael was generally a fourth or third liner. And okay, you're you're a rookie, you know, whatever. It's great. And you know, the the pro the huge pundits for McMichael are always roasting me or at least trying to roast me on Twitter about, well, his underlying numbers were amazing or, or whatever. And their sample size is largely from last year. You know, the offseason, you cannot understate how important that is for especially somebody going into their off other sophomore season, right? 
after coming to rookie camp and saying I packed on 20, 15, 20 pounds of fucking pure fucking cock diesel muscle, you know, (laughs) coming out and saying like, I've done this and I'm ready to go bang and play defensively and play two-way hockey coach. And, you know, Gordon Bombay, you know, all that shit. Right. So you come into your sophomore season and of course, nobody's looking at you to pack on another 20, 15, 10 pounds in, in an off season. Nobody's looking for that. But at the same time, like you need to have a very compelling case in camp. You need to be, you know, winning over the minds and hearts of the coaching staff. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and again, it's tough. I mean, I would say, you know, obviously draft pedigree sometimes plays a lot into perception or of what players should be expected to do, whether fairly or unfairly. Uh, I'll say, you know, I think I, which is funny. I think one thing that pisses off uh, Rangers fans so much is that Alexi Lafreniere is kind of not shown as much skill as flashing as much skill as he uh, clearly showed in the, in the QMJHL. Uh, prior to getting drafted, um, but right. has played much more of a, th- you know, for checking and throwing hits and playing much more of a, a, a ha- I'm just happy to support and play the hockey. I think the coaching staff wants me to play. And right. honestly, it seems like player like fans get on him more for that than the, than anything. They're like, the, Oh, I would rather him try to dangle everyone and get shut down, but then he could figure it out. You know what I mean? So it's like, sometimes these young players, they really cannot, they cannot win against expectation, but yeah, I mean, listen, you obviously, first and foremost, you have to show the coaching staff that you are willing to do what it takes to contribute to this team's success. And obviously once that relationship is fostered in a positive manner, then you will get a little bit more, leeway and trust and you know what i mean it's kind of like the learn to they want to see you crawl before you can walk type thing uh and honest but it it, it's tough because it's almost like a player's like you know you don't get a lot of minutes and you're going up the ice and you want to figure out how to buy yourself time and space in the nhl in which there is none and you're going to try to do a fancy stick handling move and you don't have the support maybe of the highest caliber teammates to maybe cover you, or it's not like you can just make a nice pass and they'll, it'll be a shitty pass, but they'll still collect it in their skates. Cause they're some of the elite players in the AHL. You know what I mean? Right. And you try to do something and it literally gets poked off your stick. And now there's a rush going the other way. And now right, and you your, look ice, like the your, ice, your ice right. time is over. That's it. Yeah. So right. it's tough. I mean, and yeah, I mean, it's tough, especially a player like McMichael. I mean, uh, watching him with Hamilton and then with London, like, I just think, he, especially for him, he's just kind of more of a, a. I think he's a player that needs to really play inside uh, the hash marks and and like make you know he's I think he's a, a a really good passer. I think he's you know he's just he's just more you know to me McMichael was a guy who always had. I thought he was just you know maybe maybe not the best skater, but just you know solid hands, solid IQ. So, but more than anything, willing to make plays in traffic, willing to make plays inside the hash marks, you know, despite pressure, which is just something that obviously I think the pace of the NHL may, has maybe hampered that a bit and has eluded him where he just doesn't feel as comfortable doing that. But if he can, right. I, and you know, who is a guy who I think is, is trying to slowly figure that out too, who is, I think has been pretty good, but not, you know, and has made some good plays, but Mason McTavish with Anaheim, I think is a very mm. similar you know what I mean? Not a fast guy, bigger, obviously bigger than McMichael, but 
is a guy that that was kind of his deal is that he's rugged and is willing to make plays in between the hash marks in traffic with pressure. Not, not, he's not like a guy who tacks off the rush so much he can, but it's more about just being uh, confident enough to, to make plays, un, you know, in confined spaces. And, you sure. know, that's the hardest, I think it's the hardest thing to do in the NHL. You know, it's, you know, luckily there's young players like, you know, the Seth Jarvis's and the, the Jack Hughes and the, uh, you know, I'd even say the uh, Lucas Raymond's of the world who have elite skating ability and feet. It's like, well, yeah. they can, they can navigate that because they're still even as teenagers faster than the average NHLer, and they can buy themselves right. time and space, but you know, it's tough. It's, and it's a lot of those players. It takes them time. It takes time for them to, to click. And you know, you forget these, it feels like they've had so many kicks at the can, but then you realize, Oh, they're 21 years old. You know, they can finally right. have a beer, you know, playing up against, uh, you know, men. So. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's, it's funny that you bring up like the in front, uh, nature of, of, of the value of a player, you know, I'll be honest, I am, you know, I've and probably for like all of my competitive hockey play defense. So I was the guy trying to like, get those guys out of here. The little guys were always the fucking pain in the ass. Cause like the big guys, you're just like, all right, I'm just going to kick your feet out from under you. Like, yeah. okay. The ref's never going to see that. I'm you're going to get like, you're a big target. It's easy. Of course they would still score, but the, the little guys, you know, I'm taking penalties on, you know, I'm, I'm hitting too high. Like they're, they're just rolling off me, things like that yeah. um, with elite skating ability for sure. But I mean, when it, when it comes to McMichael, you know, I think that a lot of like uh, capstans think that he's like, you know, to your point, like a good playmaker, a, a high hockey IQ, um, willingness to go into the hard areas, uh, decent hands. But but for some reason, they keep referencing this shot of his. And I'm, you know, uh, maybe I'm spoiled watching, you know, much like probably you are watching Zabinijad and, you know, OVT it up from from the one T spot over in the Ovechkin office. Uh, I just I don't know. I just don't see it. Um and, and weirdly enough, like, yeah, McMichael is definitely willing to get into the middle of, of the ice and the scoring, but uh, it just doesn't seem to translate into the into the board battles where I would love to see him be more Connor Sheary like. And, uh, you know, the the skill set that we're describing about McMichael right now screams to me third and fourth line center, you know. Um, of course, there's a whole debate about Lars Eller and things, but I will never, I will never say a, a single negative thing about Lars Eller, uh, despite him, you know, scoring the game-winning goal for our Stanley Cup and all that shit. Like I thought he was the linchpin of the Stanley Cup. I think we've talked about this before. Uh, he's his ability to move up and down during the time. You know, of course, he's a little older. It's been years now, four years, five years. Uh, I like his ability to move up and down uh, back when he was, you know, in his peak, but I still find a lot of value in him as a third line center, even if he does, you know, have those fucking glaring mistakes or whatever it may be, can't finish on the breakaway or, you know, whatever it is. I, I just like that guy. Um, plus he's huge. He's a big guy, honestly, uh, when you, when you look at it. So interesting stuff, but let me interject. I do have to pay the bills. Uh, I don't have any fancy uh, segue into it. So here it goes. Just, you know, hitting it with the blunt object hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays, combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. 
Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. You like that, Andy? Very nice. <laughs> it's, almost like you, you, it's almost like you've done that before. Exactly, yeah. You know, fuck, man. I mean, you know, we, we, I think about it now, and uh, I, I mean, how many episodes have you, have you guys got now? The Broadway Boys podcast. It's tough because we we're on season for us, and I know different podcasts on this network have numbered them differently. We're on season four for us. So. Same. So right. I mean, but I mean, honestly, it's been two episodes a week, pretty much three, and with very you know, even in the summers, some you know, very unless we had a vacation, it would be maybe one episode a week, or it was very. I don't know yeah. if we we may have taken one week off without a podcast like ever since we started right. between James and I, even if we had one of us had to, to do a solo, which, you know, happens from time to time, you have family commitments and trips and all that other stuff. But yeah, oh, man, yeah. Since uh, what, what year, uh, dude, what year did this network start? Fuck. I mean, I mean, it was, so we were like, so pumped, right? We were pre pandemic. Like, oh yeah. yeah. We were like, Oh my God, look, dude, a network picked us up. And I remember talking to you early on, like, Holy shit. And like, you know, um, this is fucking wild. How did, cause I, I know that yours, your entry into this was similar, like Dylan or somebody DM'd you and was like, yo, we like your shit. Like, will you come and rep? So, so it was. And so I did not I was not on a podcast prior to this. And James uh, was not didn't have his own podcast, but he was he was actually he's good friends with uh, Ked over at the Morning Skate, Jimmy Collins. Shout right. Ked. Shout out Morning Skate. Shout out Morning Skate. Uh, and I believe it was something where they were supposed to have someone else come on. They were going to talk to, uh, I, I forget it was Ish, uh, for was coming on their podcast to talk about something at the time. I'm not even sure. Mm. And, uh, or Dylan, I'm not sure. Or both of them. I forget who, but regardless, <laughs> I wasn't there. That's why this is not a good retelling of my account, but, uh, someone couldn't do it. So he asked James who's also a fan of the Rangers. Hey, do you want to come on this podcast? And through that, he just came on and they were talking about the Rangers uh, and you know, obviously Jimmy had his thing with the morning skate. So I think when having this in mind, uh, either Dylan and Isha or both, you know, one of them or both of them just said, Hey, do you want to, to James, not me, do you want to do a New York Rangers podcast for the network, despite not having a podcast of his own? Wow. Uh, or, you know what, actually I, I might be lying. He might have, I think he may have just started to do a, 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 a sports like a hockey betting a sports betting um podcast for the morning skate so Interesting. yeah betting crashers excuse me so sorry james if i'm retelling your story so maybe he had that's he may i think he had done a couple of those maybe not a great enough but it wasn't like a a, a, a long ongoing thing at that point is you know maybe a couple episodes maybe so they yeah and then, rookie so they, year yes yeah, they scoop yeah rookie year basically so yeah. uh undrafted free agents you know um <laughs> <laughs> offered ELCs. Uh, so, and yeah, and the rest is history. And we just, uh, since, yes, what was that? 20, four years. Yeah. yeah so like, it was, and like I, what I was saying in the beginning is like, we were so like pumped to be doing this and the, the, the season started and we were all like jacked about it. And then all of a sudden they're just like, Oh yeah, no NHL for like months. Yeah. Do you remember that? They just completely shut it down. And it was like, I remember being like, well, what, what are we going to talk about? But the funny thing is, I think, you know, it's just through that, I, you, 
I think especially for every fan of every, every NHL team, especially like starting a season and then just having it to stop. It was like you, you had so much to, you had a whole, the whole first half of the season to, to like watch and then to speculate on the rest of it was, yeah, was crazy. It was just so weird. It was like all these unanswered questions you had plenty. You're, you were driving yourself crazy. Just thinking about like, is it going to be the same when they get back? Are they going to miss a beat? Is this going to change? What's going to happen? I mean, obviously talking about what's going on in the world and then just, uh, yeah. So it, it's funny. I think it definitely as a sports fan to break out of that natural rhythm of the season over and over again, I think it definitely me. I think, and that's also also around the time that I was really, you know, I had time to maybe focus on uh, prospects a little bit more, you know, they had yeah. stopped playing, but go back and like watch more tape on prospects, especially because at the time, the Chell Rangers... commentary, Chell yeah. commentary. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot, there was, a, you know, there was a lot of uh, throw shit at the wall and see what works, you know, yeah. type of stuff going on at the network at the time. But uh, oh, yeah, good. I mean, just, yeah. but just exploring every unturned uh, part of the, of the hockey world. And that was, you know, honestly, that, that was one of the, the few things that was maybe good about that situation. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think it really like brought a lot of our hosts closer because we were like reaching out to each other. Like, fuck, I have nothing to talk to about. Like, let's yeah. get to know some of the other yeah. hosts. No, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that was like the inaugural year of the hockey podcast network. So yeah. well, ho- hockey, crazy. hockey apocalypse. Exactly. Remember that, right? Uh, you know, yep. we, we brought you on. Polly and I talked to you about like, you know, what would you do if the world did end? And, you know, I guess uh, if you could look back, I'm, you know, luckily we don't have a following large enough to be canceled. But like if you look back at it a little bit insensitive, but in good fun. Right. I mean, we didn't make it crazy after you look at the end of it uh, with, you know, the death toll and things like that. But well, no, it was it was listen you see a lot of the movies and television and film. There's a lot of uh, post-apocalyptic uh, art that has been produced in the wake of the pandemic. Yes. I mean, it's art, it's circumstances produce, you know, art. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, we, it was, we weren't saying it was because of that. It was the post-apocalyptic, sure. but you can't, you know, exactly. listen, listen, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but uh, <laughs> the, the Japanese, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, there's, something like Hiroshima happens and then they sure. Godzilla comes out of it. So it's, you know, it's, it's wow. a, you can't. So, <laughs> I, okay. First of all, I'm blushing because you are comparing us to the highest art form of, of Godzilla, which, you know, for me was one of the, one of the best things I ever watched as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and first of all, you've, you monikered it, hockey apocalypse art. So, you know, maybe I'll need to like start retweeting like some, some old hockey apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, here with everybody else and i mean and two it's it's more the whole point of that whole episode was what is most important to you it wasn't focusing on it was focusing on life it was focusing on survival and what are the the most important things you know so i think i think i tend to think you were making a positive out of a very difficult negative situation so that's just me that's just one man's opinion so i can't okay you know i'm i'm rolling with that in fact if you could write an editorial and then you know publish (laughs) that in a blog on the morning skate that would be great you know Marketing back, you know, COVID in review. There was a the bastion of light, which was the official capture podcast, spreading positivity and and you know what is important to you. That's right uh, throughout the world. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. I do want to just you know now that we're done, you know, breaking our arms, jerking each other off here. I I, I do want to talk a little bit more about hockey. And you know, you you did reference, hey, you know, speed speed kills in the NHL, mm-hmm. and I'm always thinking like. You know, you you look back and in 
who the hell was it? I think it was Daryl Sutter when when the LA Kings were winning. He was like, well, you know, fuck, you know, it's like one time it's it's a speed team wins and then it's a speed league and then a checking team wins and it's yeah. a checking. But, um, you know, I have always held true that the NHL, while speed does kill, and I, I do agree with that, I think that you need to further define speed and, and I'll get into that in a second. But I overall, I think that the NHL is a checking league. And the reason I think that is because, and we, we've talked about this probably briefly at least before, is that, you know, you're in Thunderdome in there. There's no out of bounds. I mean, you're, their speed is only good for a couple zones and then you have to run into a wall to, to go any farther. Um, or you get absolutely murdered, right? So the way that I look at it is that, yes, speed will kill you. And that what I think the the, the deadliest thing about speed is is system play and and you know mental speed. If you can move the puck, if you know, if it's if it's uh when I played lacrosse, it was like one, two, pass, one, two, pass. Like you should never hold the ball more than two seconds, right? So same with hockey, you know, you see these teams that are just whipping it around um with purpose, you know being able to make quality decisions very quickly uh, because, you know, I'm sure anybody who's played hockey from mites all the way up would, you know, the puck always moves faster than you can skate. Right. Uh, Yeah. So there's that. uh, And I think that that's one form of speed. And then of course you've got the McDavid's who are just on God level, uh, you know, and, and the McKinnon's and, you know, to some extent, you know, Mika's been a Jad with the hands and the skating ability as well. I think uh, Panarin, you know, he has that ability, I think, as well for the Rangers. You know, I look at Kuznetsov as well. Like you said, you referenced earlier, the effortless skating ability, which, you know, is, again, probably a double-edged sword for him as well because it, oh, it looks like he's putting no effort into it. It's like, yeah, that's because his stride is like two regular NHL strides. Yeah, he, glide, he glides faster than a lot of guys can skate. Exactly. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So... Um, you know, and I mean, that is one thing, but I think that all speed can be a no gate negated through, you know, staunch use of systems and getting in front. And when I say checking, I don't mean like the killer open ice, you know, clean you out and kill you or, you know, the big on, on the boards check that, you know, hurts somebody. I just mean impeding, you know, progress forward. Um, and so I guess we're, we're really two sides of the same coin there. Right. Yeah. I like, I think, yeah, it's a, you, I think you said it perfectly. It's a game of mental speed. And and I guess to expand upon that, it's a game of options, right? It's right. When you say checking, it's, you're really, it's shorthand for removing the option, removing the option to skate towards the goaltender with the puck, removing the option to make a forehand pass to your line mate, uh, you know, across the Royal road, removing the option to, try to wrap the puck around to get it behind the net or to dump it in and chase it or removing the option to uh, someone to dump it behind you and you can get to the puck before they can get behind you and win that foot race. So yeah, it's a, it's a game of mental speed and it's a game of options. I think, especially as a New York Rangers fan, uh, a team that has seemed to, despite their recent successes has struggled, especially under Gerard Gallant, but uh, just recently, I think their team that's, I think they struggle with, that very thing. I think they Gerard Gallant for all of his strengths. He's a player's coach. Every team, every player who's ever played for him loves him to death is like, Oh, Turk right. is, a, is a beauty. He's a great guy. Some of the best, you know, one of my favorite coaches ever, but he's not an X's and O's guy. He just isn't. Right. And I think you look at uh, the, you know, the year 
he went with uh, Vegas going to the cup final. I mean, he and technically he, you know, he had the Rangers, what, two games away from going to the cup final as well uh, yep. or so. But, um, it, you know, that team that went to the cup final for him, it was literally a team of every team's like player they could afford to part with. It was every, te- every coach's, uh, the coach loves this guy, but he makes a little too much, a little too rich for our blood. And obviously there was other, things factors there there was also some players that were underrated at the young time young players who had skill but it was yeah, you know i mean carlson I yeah, yeah go ahead the, in vegas there was also the city brand new team yeah and you know not to say that this is the whole reason that the vegas knights went forward but there was a ton of town support there you know they just had a very tragic happening there the 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 and a lot of times you know with the the big shooting at the mgm like you know there was a ton of just momentum of like we want motherfuckers to succeed here this is the first pro team that vegas has had forever like we just you know everybody was behind them there was chip on the shoulder is is i think what you're kind of getting at and i totally agree and I and I think the maybe I'm not also the undermined uh, point I was trying to make too is that I think you had a team of full of guys that always were played well within understood their systems play for their teams very well they weren't the star players that just kind of did what they wanted and broke you know broke protocol or, or just to you know to do whatever they because they couldn't or they didn't have to but when it right. came time for all them coming to a team like they playing on a team with Gerard Gallant who didn't have much of a structure. Well, that's fine because they didn't really, they already, it was already in them. They they were the guys that were, they were, everyone on their line was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be first on the puck because on my, when I was a third liner on or second line winger on this team, I was always first on the puck and they all did it. Everyone did it. Everyone came back to support everyone, uh, you know, crashed in it. Everyone always tried to win all their battles and their foot races because that's how they stay in the lineup. And they literally had an entire team of them and then they made it to the cup final. They didn't win obviously because at the in the yeah. end you you know you know yes because uh, in the end <laughs> i think you, caps. <laughs> well i mean i think what does everyone say is like it's the it's the year that ovi finally you know on top of being in you know the the greatest goal scorer of all time is like you know what i am gonna buy in you're gonna see me back checking you're gonna see me do these other things and i just think you right. know they had you know the, the team that win the cup has that buy-in has the systems play down under Barry, of course, who's, you know, one of the greatest hockey stat- tacticians, um, you know, ever probably. And, but they also have elite skill that can break games open in ways the other, other players can't. So yeah, I th- right. again, I think to, to round it back for my long winded way of saying your original point, it's a, it's a game of mental, it's a game of mental speed. And when you have system in place, that are under, but and, and smartly implemented systems because there's pl- plenty of instances of teams that have good systems that might work if you have these types of players, but you're shoehorning it into, you know, shoehorning. Uh, if you want to play a uh, a rush based attack style with uh, a team like the St. Louis Blues, I don't know if it's going to work because they're a bit of a heavier, slower team. You know what I mean? Right. But they also they can all hold on to the puck forever in the, in the offensive zone. When you have guys like Ryan O'Reilly and just some big bodies up front, like, you know what I mean? And, you know, Pareko mm-hmm. and just, they have some big bodies and they play a little bit more of a, they pass the puck extremely well and they can cycle really well. You know what I mean? So, and the Rangers are kind of like that too. They've invested in some heavier players now, which is good, but they don't outside of a few guys, like maybe Philip Heedle and Kreider when he's in a straight line, and yeah, obviously guys like Zabanajad and Panera can be fleet of foot, but it's not like the Devils where everyone's just, uh, they have a lot of really fast burner guys. You know what I mean? It's like right. they're a little bit more methodical, heavier team. So they, 
when they when they're moving the puck fast with confidence and use then using their bodies to shield it yeah they they have success but sometimes they struggle against teams with other teams with a lot of team speed especially when they're not feeling you know because they can't use their feet to get them out of trouble and because Gerard Gallant does not he's not much of a defined systems guy he has general concepts maybe but it's not right. some of those teams you seem it just seems like they're not even thinking they're just like I'm just going to blindly chip it here because I know someone's about to skate into it and I don't really see that at time with the New York Rangers it's one of the things I think that gives me a lot of pause with right. Gerard he's Gallant. more of an orchestrator rather than a composer if you will Yes, that's that's definitely it. He's de- you know, I think he's more he's, he's more of a manager maybe than a band leader yeah. if that's to, to make any sense, but you know. Uh but you know, it, at, then at the same time though, it's like I think his style gives teams other you know, their New York Rangers other strengths. You know, I have, definitely mental resiliency was one of them last year, especially when they were they came had a lot of the most comeback victories in the league last year, you know what I mean? So Right. But now that now they have to deal with the expectations of what they did last year. And I think until recently, it's been it's been yeah, it's been weighing on them. Absolutely. So so let's bring that around like full circle. I mean, yeah, I mean, right. last year when we talked, you were like the Rangers, who I believe were like one or two in the Metro, were punching above their weight. And like this is this was a, a you know, I, I think it's it's safe to say it was a bit of a surprise for you. Oh, yeah. Um, as as to their their performance quarter season quarter into the season last year and then you know you, you kind of alluded to maybe that this wasn't like something that was going to really you know go for it uh like all the way through you know wasn't going to to hold steady all the way through to the end of the season but at the same time uh it happened you went to the eastern conference finals and you know i thought about you guys a lot during the playoffs is like holy fuck the rangers are gonna fuck around and, and probably make a push here um but, you know, what do you think the Rangers are right now? Are they are they underperforming, overperforming? Or are they on par? They're underperforming. I definitely think so. I think when I look at the Rangers now, I think remember, remember for a few years, everyone's like before they they are what they are. The Carolina Hurricanes, everyone's like, man, the Hurricanes, their underlying numbers are amazing. It's like, right. yeah, but they never make the playoffs and they have like I, you know uh brian was a brian elliott or whoever's their goaltender and they like never make the you know they never change your goaltenders and they just never but like yeah but they're really you know but and then that they were the famously the warming the Corsi team where it's like they fling the puck from everywhere it right. just it's it took them i think the rangers are a team that no, knows that they were flawed yet last year and they're trying mm-hmm. to correct it and they've Honestly, they've adopted it, but it's their first time trying on a new pair of shoes and they're a little too tight and they're not as sharp. There's a lot of fanning on pucks and they listen. They've also been extremely unlucky. Their PDO has been, you know, uh, pretty low. Their shooting percentage was extremely low, too. So, I mean, they're going to see some regression here. And I think you've even started to see it. It's like you look at their they'll have a like one goal game, a game where they score six goals, you know, another two goal game, a game where the final scores, whatever. So, right. And especially because they, you know, they have proof of concept. All these players know how to put the puck in the net. Like, you know, especially you look the, the year Chris Kreider had and, you know, Mika Zibanejad and Panarin and, you know, Adam Fox is having yet another Norris worthy season, which is a great re- uh, return to form for him. But I think, you know, and Shesterkin had a slow start, but if you look, he's slowly, he, now he's finally back in the top 10 in, you know, uh, you know, a uh, goal saved over expected, you know, he's slowly, he's creeping up that list again. So as he rounds out, I think the Rangers should win more games as long as they play. I think the one thing that gives me pause with them though, is that 
overall, I think they are a much more structured team and they control play, but their breakdowns are some of the breakdowns they have are, are just inexcusable. And I think their personnel issues, I think their bottom, their third pairing is, is still a big weakness with, uh, you know, either brain Schneider and Zach Jones or Libor Hayek. I mean, you saw they traded Nils Lundqvist, who is blossoming now in uh, in Dallas and has great metrics and is basically what uh, the Rangers thought he would be when they drafted him or could become, start right. becoming. You know, they bet on uh, another season. It's like you don't know if they bet on the wrong horse or – but at the same time, you if, as a Rangers fan, you're like, well, if he was here, he would be struggling too. It wouldn't be any different. It's just – it's clearly this team has a difficulty, it seems, to, to help these young players develop. And you look at Capo Caco and Lexi Lafreniere – Capo Caco, you know, is part of the top line now and has been, or well was, and I think they, Jimmy, they put the kid line back together. His again, once another season, his underlying numbers are excellent and he gets like five or six chances a game. And it's just like snake bit. It's like, you know, off the post, you know, ricochets off a few legs pad, just misses just what it's just, you know, and you're like, is this guy unlucky or is it just borderline? His skill level does he's not skilled enough to make things easy for him. So they're dealing right. with a lot of that, but the big, the biggest elephant in the room is they have no cap space. Will they have room to make a, you know, everyone says Patrick Kane's coming maybe at the, at the Panarin and Kane, but no shit. Yeah. Really? That's I, well, that's, that's, that's what all the hockey pundits are saying. And that's, it's been Ugh. prognosticated. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like they have no cap space and they're not sending players down in off days to bank that cap space. Cause you think if they do right. that, Every time, every time they few days they shuttle, even if it's a paper move, uh, right. I don't know if the player loses salary and that's why, and they don't want to piss anyone off, but they <laughs> could bank, you know, maybe close to 4 million in dead cap space. And you look right. at Patrick Kane, he makes a lot of money, but if you had two partners and say an extra first round pick to launder a player of his salary, you could not that I want Patrick Kane, by the way, I think he's a good player, but he plays no defense. He's not what this team needs. That's neither here nor there anyway. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But it just it, to to put a bow on it, I think the Rangers have underperformed thus far, and I think if if everything stays the way it is, I think they can make the playoffs in a wild card spot. I definitely do. I you know honestly, I would not be surprised if they finish third. They're not going to beat the yeah. Canes, and I don't think they're going to catch the Devils this year. It's just the way it is. I also don't think they the appetite's there too. I think this might be a team that finally experience some playoff success and is like, we just need to get in. It doesn't have to be as we don't have anything to prove to anyone, but ourselves, even if all right. season, they're going to say, we're going to do this. So who knows? And again, you said it's a marathon and a sprint. I wouldn't be surprised if a team like the devil starts struggling, maybe in the last sure. month of the regular season, you know what I yeah. mean? It's possible. Are they going to win every fucking game? Are the are the New Jersey? I mean, come on. The, let's look at the last ten games. Are the are the New Jersey Devils going to win every fucking game until the end of the until the end of the season? Like if they do, uh, I feel my like li- that my liver, my liver wouldn't if they did, but you know, <laughs> right. I mean, you care more about it. Cause you know, that's a rivalry there, but for me, I'd be like, if that's the case, then I don't know. Something needs to happen. I mean, there were, how many teams do you think at the end of the year conference would be railing to like sandbag something? I mean, this would be a, a put league wide spider cracks throughout all of how just this whole fucking league works. <laughs> if, 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 I mean, you know, an NHL team goes undefeated, uh, past the original six era and even in the original six era, I don't think that's ever happened. Um, you know, yeah. Sweeping every round in the playoffs. That's one thing when there were six teams, but now, now it's just like, come on, like what th- that would be, it would make the league a joke. You know, it'd be the NBA 
and we don't want yeah. that. No. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's funny. It's it's just one of those things where I and I think this season you're seeing a lot of that. Where I, I felt like, and I could be totally wrong, but I felt like this point last year you saw, and there's some divisions that are like this, but you saw more of the separation, like it almost that calling of the, you know, who's hot and who's not was almost seemed to happen earlier. But like you said, in the, how many teams are within two or three points of each other right, right. now in the metropolitan, uh, a lot of them, but then you look, you know, you look out West and I think you see a little bit more of that separation between, you know, the teams and like, uh, Pacific in the central, you know, I think what, well, the West is a joke. I mean, we can, I think that this year we can firmly say the West is a joke. I think the cup's coming back East, um, you know, as it has been. Uh, but you know, I think, uh, I, I mean, but of course you have, you have the powerhouses out West, which you have to be weary of, but I still do think that the cup's coming back East this year. Um, and yeah, I mean, to your point, the, for caps and I, I say this every episode, I think for the October, November were the hardest November was the hardest like strength schedule um, month that the caps had to go through. And just so happened that every $40 million a cap were on the shelf. And so, yes, yeah, so we're, we're feeling that right now. Um, but I've, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of caps fans, you know, fire Lavulette, fire Brian McClellan, who I think has done a fucking phenomenal job ever since stepping into the role. Um, honestly, he could probably steamroll us for three years. And I would at year three at the very end, I'd be like, okay, maybe he needs to be fired. Um, he's got a lot of leash in my, in my eyes. I think Lavi has a, as a considerable amount of leash, you know, again, he's 40 million in cap on the shelf. It's really tough to mix guys in. Of course you can bitch, about, you know, well, you, we could, at this point we could be, you know, and, th- and this is something that grumpy old man talked about. We could mix in young talent now because, you know, everything's in the shitter. And it's yeah. like, well, grumpy, you're an Islanders fan. Everything's been in the shitter for the past 20, 30 years. You know, it's <laughs> Brian Trottier. It was fucking playing for you guys. Uh, you know? Yeah. I, I went to the Rangers Islanders the other day uh, at the garden oh, and, and it played out exactly how I thought. Cause that's how the, it seems the Islanders have been winning all their games that they've won recently is that they play like shit for two periods and they turn on the third. They, they basically turn into the human embodiment of, of uh Sudafed and then they turn it on at the last minute. And every, like when the, your team wakes up and they, they, they've pulled ahead by one goal, you're like, what, you know? And <laughs> right. I mean, listen, luckily for them, they have, they ha- their goal scoring is up this year because they've I think they've yeah you know, getting Lane Lambert Barry was first and foremost a defense coach and right. it's something that you know they were unlucky last year let's let's we can admit it but at the same time it's like he, he that's a coach that played the way that you had to with the personnel that he had because he still has a lot of older players and as, yeah. as you know I would say Barzell has seems to have finally found that next level this year which is good for mm-hmm. him especially under you know a little bit more offensive freedom but. You know, again, I think they're a team that just has to play a more disciplined style of hockey because they're not going to they're not going to be able to trade chances with some of the more elite teams in the league, you know, open right. ice hockey. But, you know, they have to play a little bit more structured. But, you know, and I mean, if you look at at least their in terms of, uh, you know, how much they give up and, and how much they generate, it's they're they're pretty much lower on the list, although they're right now they're at least they're converting on the few goal, the few shots they do get, and they're getting top five goaltending, arguably top four goaltending in the league with Sorokin. So, you know, sure. that's a good, and the Rangers were kind of doing that to an extent last year with the Shesterkin. So they can cl- easily make the playoffs if, if it holds, but you obviously the worry for them is that they have so many players on that team that are old at this point. Um, you know, is that going to 
are the, is their performance is going to break down as they go throughout the year. But, you know, luckily they, I do think just by finally uh, letting Andy Green and Chara, you know, ride off into the sunset and getting some younger bodies in there has helped them. I mean, you know what I mean? And that's nothing to say of what those players were at their peaks, but just, you know, for, for how old they were, both were. Uh, it was a addition by subtraction, I think, getting, you know, Romanov in there. And, and it, listen, they still have a very good top pair in Pelican Pollock, and Dobson has really turned into an excellent defenseman. So they have three really good defensemen, and they have some solid, they have one, I'd say, elite forward, and then a bunch, a couple solid, albeit middling, you know, you know, and then they, whatever, they have the identity line, which is you say what you right. want. I, Sezikis is a hell of a hockey player, and you have two guys, two guys in Martin Clutterbuck that, they know what their role is. You know what I mean? And dude, it works. It works for you, them. You've got to, you've got to go just like take a couple like sound, just, you know, peruse through that last Thursday episode uh, for us. <laughs> with, they were, you know, it's, of course it's always doom and gloom. Like they're so jaded uh, on, on the Islanders never say die podcast, which I love them for, but they're like, yeah, you know what? I think, you know, uh, opposite to you, they're saying that the Islanders are punching a little bit above their weight. Oh, I think they are though. I do. I think yeah, they're punching. I do. I agree. Yeah. And I, they're, they're a little bit above their, uh, their standing right now. And they're, they're going to be fighting for a wild card spot along with the Washington Capitals, Pittsburgh Penguins, the Detroit Red Wings, you know, and whoever else may fall. Um, but you know, like the, the point that grumpy made was like, because, you know, you would think he's an old school guy, but really he's like, you know, let's get all these new guys. Like, why aren't you? Because uh, he's a big Connor McMichael fan. He's like, why aren't you giving them? And yeah. I'm like, grumpy. Well, because we have a fucking solid top set. We have proven NHL yeah. talent. And we're in the hardest part of our, our schedule. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'll, we could throw in the towel or not. Well, it's funny because I think if, if if the Boston Bruins said that, you know, thinking, oh, we're going to, we might, you know, at the time you didn't know if Krejci, you didn't think Krejci was coming back. You know, it was going to happen with Bergeron. You knew you had injuries right. to, to, to Marchand over the summer and Charlie McAvoy. And just, it felt kind of like, you didn't know you'd have this last dance scenario that they have going out. And now they're the best team in the league, arguably. Insane. Uh, right. So, but you know, getting Krejci back and all that, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's, but then for every team that's like that, there's a team that you know, you look at San Jose who maybe, should have pulled the ripcord before they did and they mm -hmm. didn't. And now they have no prospects of note. You know what I mean? Right. No, you know, uh, uh, no offense to Ozzy Wiesblatt or, or whoever is in their system right now. Um, but right. you know, I mean, that's a team that they, they have some obviously car, good for Eric Carlson returning to form, you know, you know, he still has his warts def defensively, but he's become an all world, op, uh, you know, offensive defenseman this year. Again, right. and you know, and he's and right. again, yeah, or at least it's the pucks are going in for him this season. And you know, they still have very good players in Timo Mayo and Tomas Hurdle. So they're a team that they might hurt their chances at drafting first overall, but they might be a, I don't know, they'll be a bot, they'll still be a bottom, I think they'll still be a bottom seven team in the league. You know what I mean? And they're, right. they're in purgatory. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. tough. And it's, if you, right. you know, it's, it's tough sometimes. You look at the team, and I think I still think one of the best things the Rangers ever did was just say it's enough. When's enough enough? Like they traded right. McDonough, they traded Zuccarello, you know, they traded uh, Rick Nash, they tra every, they traded everyone, you know, or, right? Uh, and cleared house. They cleared and house. Lundquist gone. I mean, that I think the Lundquist gone was like this the final, the final yeah, 
you know, the final uh, straw there and, and really just put up the white flag. And it's like, look, yeah. we're going to suck for three years, but I promise you Rangers fans, like we're going to be back. And it, and, and it worked. And, and lucky, you know, luckily for them, even though they didn't, you know, they had the chance to sign Panera in a free agency. They got really lucky in that Adam Fox is from Jericho, New York, and only wanted to play there, you know? So, but <laughs> yeah. they, you know, but here's the thing. There, there's a, there's a reality in which they did, they refuse to give up and they do not have the set. They, would not have the cap space to take on the salary that Panarin was going to get on the open market. Uh, and getting Adam Fox in may have been harder. And even if they did just get one of them and only being Adam Fox on the ELC, the rest of their components were slowly withering down and dying. You know, they had not yet bought out Mark Stahl. They had just bought out, you know, or they, you know, Dan Girardi's contract. It's right. It's yeah. And, you know, Zuccarello is, you know, he's obviously luckily he's being able to have, he's have a nice resurgence here you know, it helps he's playing with Kirill Kaprizov. He might have not been with a Kaprizov type character. You don't know if they maybe him and Zabanajad could have had some better chemistry, but they had played together at that point, you know. And, you know, yeah. so it's tough. It's tough to know what type of team they would be. I doubt they would look like this. They wouldn't have Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox's riding partner. They wouldn't have had Keandre Miller. Uh, they probably wouldn't have Truba. So you, you just, they wouldn't have a team that's at least contending and yet still, despite, you know, having. Uh, you know, Halak's the oldest player on the team, but I don't really count him as a backup goaltender. But, you know, right. I mean, uh, you know, Chris Kreider being technically the oldest, you know, and Panarin being like the oldest players on the team who are not the, you know, early, you know, 30, 31, like that's pretty good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's a exactly. just different, you can't, you can't really quantify it. Right. I mean, and youth is, oh, I'll fuck it. I'll quantify it. I'll say like, I, I agree. I think that there is no, I don't think that the Rangers had any option. Um, yep be successful they could have done what you said and like been shit for the next decade but instead they decided to go for it uh and just do the rebuild and you look at a team that's kind of following suit in that game plan uh is the detroit red wings i mean that i feel like is a is a pretty big archetype i mean you also look at new jersey who's kind of like just said like okay fuck it like you know paul mary get the fuck out like everybody else you know we're just gonna clear house and and they blew it up and you know rarely do you ever see that work but i feel like with the insurgence of new young talent in the nhl and, and how many guys are just getting better coming in uh yeah you, you kind of got to do that sometimes uh i th- still think that for the washington capitals that's very far away we're going to beat we're going to go back to that well we're, until ovechkin is retired i mean it, yeah. he deserves you know matt backstrom as well you know of course that's all up in the air with his uh comeback and when that'll happen but you know this is a team that needs to be win now. And I think that it would be a disservice to their stars to not. And I think yeah. that, you know, management is like they've Leonsis management, everybody has come to grips with that. Like we're going to go out and buy, 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 buy. And I think that the Washington Capitals have done that, you know, Dylan Strom, Brown, yeah. Gustafson, both goalies. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, you have a special set of circumstances with Alex Ovechkin. It's why a team, as long as Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin are on those teams, you just, I, the, I do not see a reality in which either of those teams rebuild until those two say, you know what, it's uh, it's time or whatever. Uh, I mean, right. but you know, I obviously, again, the danger is, you know, if you try to do the half measures, uh, one team that tried to do a half measure is the Chicago Blackhawks. Imagine you, it's like you told Chicago Blackhawks when they finally said, we're going to, we got to, we're done, you know, Duncan Ke- or whatever they, you mm. know, Steve Brooks, whatever they're, they're yeah. they haven't made the playoffs. They, they, you know, Panarin's already gone. They traded him for sod, whatever. And they're like, right. in five years, it's like, will you, we rebelled. It's like, well, uh, 
we sort of like we're gonna we're gonna be bad, but we're gonna draft really high. It's like, oh great, that's so good. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> it's what I wanted. We then we can be champs again. It's like, yeah, about that. Um, <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna rebuild for five years, and, and sure. then it's not gonna be working. Oh, and that's when, oh, of course, of what stupid to think it would. But then we'll we'll trade Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze, right? Yeah, also about mm. that. Um, you're gonna trade Alex to who will score 40 goals for you, but you're going to trade him. What? <laughs> right. Okay. But then you're going to draft third overall. Oh, thank you. God, thank you. Yes. Yes. And then we can start. Like, yeah. Well, you're going to trade him too. It's like, what? It- <laughs> we do that? it's like, yeah. Eh. Yeah. And you know, this other kid, uh, Dylan Strom, it's not, it's going to be, it's not going to really work. So we're going to trade him, but then yeah, he's going to, he's going to fare really well on his next team. It's like, what? <laughs> what? Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like, you, right. or, you know, and so on and, and down the line. And, you know, it's just those teams that realize it too late and they have to, re- they don't do it right the first time. They don't rip it to the sure. studs and they literally could have saved themselves five years of pain. And now, you know, Chicago is an AHL team going for Bedard. And now the the final note, it, and I mean, you look at the way Claude Giroux left uh, Philly it was sad, but it didn't feel like it was like crazy too long. Whereas right. the more toxic things get in Chicago, like that's what the, it has to get to before Taze and Kane want to leave. It's especially players that have accomplished what they have accomplished. Right. Yeah, man. It's just, it's not a good scene. So I think that's obviously the danger is of not admitting it to yourself before it's too late. And I, and again, I, I, I definitely concede that I think, teams like Washington and Pittsburgh are special cases as far as you have generational talents, you know what I mean? And just with generational accomplishments. So, but there's plenty of other teams out there that would fit that bill where, you know, if you're the the dreaded middle, as they call it, you know, you're, you're going in some, you're going in some direction, whether you think, you know, just make sure you're, you're, you're actually going the direction you think you're going. And I guess I really have to step that back with Detroit because like, you know, for, uh, I mean, I guess for their standards, you know, making the playoffs 23 years in a row, which is like a, you know, uh, in the cap era, a, a streak that will probably not be broken for a long time. And, you know, going for that, just making it and then doing nothing. Um, you know, they had their star in Zetterberg, Datsuk, you know, they had, they had the team ish, you know, adjacent, the, the quality team adjacent, but um, it just never kind of worked out. So, you know, I, I believe that the Detroit Red Wings rebuild is really only about three years old. I think that they, yeah. they, it all imploded on them. They were dog shit for several years, for a few years. And then now like they've finally gotten management and just beyond, beyond key for this. So, um, all good stuff, man. I mean, I know that we, we've run a little late, but, uh, <laughs> all good. Yeah. Let's, uh. Let's get this thing uh, ended and, and, you know, yeah. let us, uh, let us know where, let the, let the Caps fans know where to find you and James. And by the way, we're talking about James. We've referenced him. That's, that's Andy's co-host on the Broadway voice podcast, who is a, what, you know, he always wants to talk to us about like uh, his, the heyday, the golden age of his hockey playing career, which he did play very, very competitive hockey in New York. Is that correct? Yeah. He's uh you can find him on uh, a hockey uh, league prospects or something or, or, yeah, you know, D- hockey, hockey, yeah, DB. hockey DB. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, he's he's definitely more self uh, deprecating about it. But, yeah, he, you know, sure. Great, great player in uh, prep school. And he's actually, you know, grew up playing with a lot of uh, current NHLers who, you know, who play in the league now who are from the New York area. So, you know, camps yeah. with all those guys. So um, but uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Podcast, much like uh, official Caps Chirp. We are every Monday, every Thursday. Uh, uh yeah if, and listen even if you're a 
a Caps fan and, you know, we try to give every team in, in the league its due and in, in deference. So we always appreciate a follow or if you, if you thought my appearance here sucked and you disagreed with what I said about your team, you can flame me, you know, at Broadway boys pod all you want. That's fine. Uh, and again, it's always fun to come on uh, the podcast troll. Thank you so much for having me because obviously there's nothing more fun than uh, popping tops with you when talking uh, some hockey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Andy, man, thanks a lot again for a total beauty. Absolutely. Caps fans, you need to give them a follow for sure. Know thy enemy at least. And uh, like I said, you know, obviously, uh, or like Andy said, I should say is that, uh, you know, totally all encompassing kind of podcast, kind of like what I like to try to do is give you some league news and then talk caps. Uh, So uh, super knowledgeable fans for sure. Um, But until next time, Andy, again, thanks a lot. Um, Hockey troll. Andy Hammond, Broadway Boys Podcast, signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp Podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on social and thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.